fuck it. <laughs> I don't have uh, I don't have an intro made, so <laughs> let's just do some wannabe gangster shit real quick. Fuck it. Let's go. Welcome to Nabi, covering sports of all sorts. If there's any breaking news, you know we got the report. Our one and only goal is to make this your podcast resort. Get you your favorite team updates, both on and off of the court. Breaking down everything. NFL, NBA, MMA, not much a soccer fan, but might even cover Team USA. Is KD leaving Golden State? Is Jordan really the GOAT? Is LeBron comfortable in LA? We'll keep the team afloat. If GSP fights Khabib, we fight him toe to toe. While the Fury rematch, who's always gonna go? We'll cover everything and anything you wanna know. Whatever it may be, we'll break it all down on the show. Yo, 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 what is up, everybody? This is Nabi Podcast. I am your host, Sonny Nabi. Um, oh, and of course, right away, right when I started, get a fucking text message. <laughs> I thought it turned the damn vibration off. Um, this is episode 13. I want to start off the show with a few quick mentions. Number one, if you are new to the show and don't already know, Nabi Podcast is on iTunes and Spotify. If you're a user on either platform, please look me up and please subscribe. Number two, quick shout out to my sponsor, um, my dude Smokey Hash. He makes CBD products from edibles to oils. If you are not familiar with CBD, there are many great benefits from it, and especially great for people like me who deals with, um, you know, serious and heavy anxiety and depression and shit like that. Uh, another great benefit for someone like me is it is a great recovery method after hard workouts and um, training. So give them a follow right on Instagram at Smokey Hash LLC for your uh, CBD products. Thanks again, Smokey. Uh, last shout out to uh, my partners at Champs Boxing Club. It is my local boxing gym located in Danbury, Connecticut. The address is 128 East Liberty Street. If you are looking to get into a new boxing gym with a great family environment, this is the gym to go to. Between the affordable prices, the number of USA Boxing certified trainers, the classes provided along with the top of the line equipment there, it is definitely the gym to go to. All levels and ages are welcome from youths all the way to adults. Um, great gym, great owners, you will not regret it if you join there. Um, yeah, fucking uh, great people, walk in, walk out a great fighter, let's fucking go. Um, Alright, this is episode 13, this is going to be a uh, preview and breakdown episode for UFC on ESPN4, Dos Anjos versus Edwards. Uh, we're going to get right into, um, you know, saying uh, who's on the card, you know, we're going to go down the whole card. And then we're going to uh, break down one of the prelim fights that I'm looking most forward to. Because honestly, there's not not that many prelim fights I'm looking forward to that I, you know, that I want to, you know, break down in detail. But um, there is one. So we're going to do one prelim fight. And then, of course, as every episode, I'm going to break down uh, the whole main card. But, um, yep. So this is the card right here. The main card. It is a five-round main event um, at welterweight. Between Rafael Dos Anjos, who is 29-11-0, versus Leon Edwards, who is 17-3-0. Uh, the co-main event is a heavyweight bout between Alexio Linick, who is 57-12-1, taking on Walt Harris, who is 12-7-0, with one no contest. Uh, before that, it is a heavyweight bout between Greg Hardy, who is 1-4-0, taking on Juan Adams, who is 5-1-0. 
Uh, before that is a lightweight bout between James Vick, who is 13-3-0, taking on Dan Hangman Hooker, who is 17-8-0. And another lightweight bout between Alexander Hernandez, who is 10-2-0, taking on Francisco Trinaldo, who is 23-6-0. And to start off the main card, it is a heavyweight bout between two legends in Andrei Arvlowski. Ah, almost fucked that up. <laughs> Don't know how I almost fucked that up. He was one of my favorite fighters growing up. But um, yeah, to start off the main card, it's a heavyweight bout between Andrei Arvlowski, uh, who was 27-18-0, two no contests, taking on Big Ben Rothwell, who is 36-11-0. And, uh, and on the prelims, the uh, featured prelim bout is a featherweight bout between Alex Caceres, who is 14-12-0, one no contest, taking on Steve Peterson, who is 17-8-0. Before uh, that is a woman's bantamweight bout between Raquel Pennington, who is 9-7-0, taking on Irene Aldana. She is 10-4-0. For that, a, a light heavyweight bout between Sam Alvey, who is 33-12-0, taking on Klitson Farias de Abreu, who is 14-3-0. For that is a woman's flyweight bout between Roxanne Mataferi, who's 23-15-0, taking on Jennifer Maya, who is 16-5-1. Roxanne was set to take on uh, Liz Carmouche until Liz was taken off the card to be um, scheduled to fight Valentina Shevchenko for the title, um, I think in September, I want to say. So uh, yeah, uh, Roxanne stayed on the card and they put in Jennifer as a replacement. Um, yep, so before that though is a bantamweight bout between Ray Borg, who is 11-4-0, taking on Gabriel Silva, who is 8-0-0. Before that, another bantamweight bout between Mario Batista, who is 6-1-0, taking on Jin Su's son, who is 9-3-0. That is going to be the fight, uh, the prelim fight that I'm going to break down because I am a huge fan of Jin Su's son. He's only had one fight in the UFC, but if you've seen that fight, it was against Pater Yan, and that shit was a instant classic fucking amazing fight check that shit out um but to start the whole event off it is another bantamweight bout between domingo pilarte who is 8-1-0 taking on felipe colaris who is 8-1-0 as well um all right yeah so like i said uh you know i usually break down two prelim fights that i'm looking most forward to but like i said in the beginning of the episode there's really one prelim fight i'm looking forward to and that's that bantamweight bout i just said uh between mario batista and jinsu sun so uh, let's get right into it, starting with the last three fights, starting with Mario Batista. His last fight was a real tough one going against Corey Sandhagen. He lost that fight by submission uh, due to an armbar in round one, and that was in January early this year, and that was uh, Mario's UFC debut. <laughs> Fucking tough-ass debut, man. Uh, before that, he fought Juan Pablo Gonzalez, and he won that fight by unanimous decision, and that was in October 2018, and that was in the organization Combate. Um, before that, he fought AJ Robb. He uh, won that fight by submission with a guillotine in round two. That was in June 2018, and that was in LFA. Moving on to Jin Su's son, his last fight, like I said, uh, was his UFC debut against Paterian. He lost that fight by... Un I gotta turn this fucking vibration off. This is pissing me off now. My bad, guys. Fucking annoying, man. Um, yeah, my bad. Yeah, so he fought Paterian in his last fight. He lost that by unanimous decision. Um, and that was in September of 2018, and like I said, that was his UFC debut. Um, before that, he fought Toshiako Kitada, and he won that fight by TKO in round two in April 2018. Before that, he fought Makato Kamaya, he won that fight by unanimous decision in October 2017. Uh, we're gonna get right into the thoughts 
and uh, my thoughts and keys to victory for each fighter. I'm gonna start with Mario Batista. Number one, um, get the fucking fight to the ground and work from down there. Um, Sun is a stand-up fighter and will want to trade and bang all fucking fight. Mario's a good striker in his own respect, but I don't think going toe-to-toe with Sun will be a good idea. Mario will be the faster striker as Sun's punches, um, you know, and strikes aren't very quick, but they are powerful as fuck. And standing with him, I think, will be a bad choice. Uh, watching Mario's last fight against Sandhagen, he shows to um, have some pretty good in-and-out movement, but it doesn't seem like, um, you know, he has good counter-striking abilities. So uh, if, he, if this stays on the fucking feet and Sun lunges in with heavy fucking shots, chances are he will land them. Uh, when Mario throws his strikes, he's usually um, throwing them after backing up and then planting on his lead foot and then throws the strikes. He can't do that here. If he wants to fight this shit on the feet, he needs to be on his fucking bike all fight and move. Which goes into my second key. Um, use great footwork to keep Sun away from you. If you don't decide to take this fight to the fucking ground, like you should, and just want to stand like a fucking dumbass, then... At least do it smart and use that in and out footwork, but you know, also mix in the side to side movement as well. Batista's head movement is not the greatest, uh, you know, from what I've seen, and um, you know, he will need to use the footwork more than. Don't get into a fucking brawl, hit and move the whole fucking time the fight stays on the feet, and utilize the jab having a three inch reach advantage. Sun is, uh, he's a Korean zombie fighter, uh, you know, the team Korean zombie, and he fights almost just like the fucking zombie with, um, you know, with that always coming forward style, no matter what, you know what I mean, no matter what he gets hit with, he just fucking laughs, like, shakes it off, and just fucking keeps going forward, Mario needs to use that to his advantage, and land the combos and single strikes with, uh, but all while moving, like I said, and, um, even use the strikes to distract Sun, and then shoot for a fucking takedown when you don't expect it, uh, the last key and thought for, um, Mario Attack Sun's legs with leg kicks every fucking time he's coming forward, which will more than likely be all fight. Simply put, he can't walk. You know what I mean? If he can't fucking walk, how the fuck is he going to come forward? Beat those fucking legs up. Throw more leg kicks than punches, I think, is the best thing to do. And um, and then when he thinks you're getting predictable, then throw the fucking kick up top to the fucking head. And uh, Sun is the shorter fighter, so the head kicks will be a lot easier to land without throwing your fucking hip out, <laughs> trying to kick too high, you know what I mean, but what I think he mainly needs to do is going back to the first key, get the fight to the fucking ground and win it down there, whether it be by a grinding out style or, you know, get a submission, keys to victory and thoughts for Jin Su's son, number one, make uh, make Batista fight backwards the whole fucking time, like, like we all know that's gonna happen, uh, and stay close, stay as close as possible, as in, don't let Batista be able to, you know, run around the cage or fight like I said he would need to do, um, you know, if he decides to keep the fight on the feet. Pressure forward and throw heavy fucking shots, but pick and choose the shots thrown. Beat the body up and mix in leg kicks to fuck up the in and out movement of Mario. If he isn't bouncing on his fucking feet no more, he won't be able to use that movement, period. Uh, which is what Jin wants. He wants Mario to stand right in front of him and trade shots and be stationary. Um, number two. Going back to watching Jin's UFC debut against a very tough Paterian, Jin has shown a very fucking tough chin as he was getting hit with fucking bombs by Petar and just ate the fucking shots and just kept moving forward laughing and just having a fucking grand old time. He's insane. 
Mario isn't an amazing striker on the feet. He's not amazing. He's a good striker, like I said earlier, but he's not amazing on the feet. So he needs to take advantage of that and push forward and bait Mario into a fucking brawl by talking shit, you know, laughing like he does and just making him think that he isn't shit every time he lands something, you know what I mean? Uh, regardless, make him feel like, uh, you know, make him feel like you think he shouldn't even be in there with you, you know what I mean? Once he gets baited, throw those fucking heavy strikes, especially to the body like I brought up earlier. Uh, number three... In key number one for Jin, I said to keep Mario close, uh, you know, when on the feet. But of course, watch for the takedowns. Mario is pretty fucking good on the ground and has pretty good takedowns like we've seen in, um, in his fight with Sandhagen. He lost the fight, but at one point, he was able to chuck Sandhagen on his fucking head. So, it's very fucking possible, you know what I mean? So, he needs to watch for that. So, when getting close to throw strikes, don't get careless and, you know, throw punches while posturing straight up. You know, make sure your stance is a little planted and a little low and always be ready for that takedown attempt. With Mario being the bigger and taller fighter and longer fighter, he can very well have that weight advantage on the ground. Although looking at both of their physiques, it seems like Jin is the stronger fighter. But, you know, we didn't really get to see his ground game in the fight with Jan as it was a stand-up fight the whole fight. And it was just, you know, strike for strike. But I don't think this would be a good fight to test the ground game if he has one. Uh, if he gets taken down, use the strength advantage like I think he has to push Mario off by kicking off the hips or just, you know, just push him off and stand right the fuck back up, you know, while fighting the hands on the ground, of course, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, my final pick for the fight, I'm going with, uh, I'm going with Jin Suisan via TKO or unanimous decision. Uh, in the fight he had with Peter Yan, not only was he fighting maybe a future champ and insanely tough opponent in general... He took the fight literally on five days' notice, and his cardio wasn't all there. Um, and he still went all three rounds and, you know what I mean, toughed it out and just fucking banged out the whole fucking time. Uh, this fight, he has a full training camp and a lot more time, you know what I mean, to uh, be prepared for this opponent, for a single opponent. Along with having his cardio up to par, you know what I mean? I think mainly because of uh, the type of opponent. And a full training camp, Jin will really get to show the UFC fans what he's really made of and what he's, you know, what he's really about. Um, but yeah, I got Jin, uh, TKO or unanimous decision. All right, moving on to the main card. We're starting with a heavyweight bout between Andre Avlaski taking on Ben Rothwell. Going right into the last three fights, starting with Andre Avlaski. Last fight, he went against Augusto Sakai. He lost that fight by split decision. That was in April of 2019. Uh, I honestly thought that was a fucking robbery, and I thought Andre won that fight. It wasn't the, um, you know, it wasn't the most entertaining fight, but I, I thought Arlovski won that fight nonetheless. But um, yeah, before that, he fought Walt Harris. Um, it ended in a uh, no contest. It was originally a split decision loss, and Walt Harris won that fight by split, de uh, split decision in uh, December 2018, but Harris tested positive for banned substance, and um, yeah, it was turned to a no contest. Before that, he fought Shamil Abduryakimov. I I think I did pretty good pronouncing that one. <laughs> I'm not going to say it again, though, but Andre lost that fight as well, and um, he lost that by unanimous decision, and that was in September 2018. Moving on to Ben Rothwell's last three fights. Last one was against Blagoy Ivanov. He lost that fight by unanimous decision in March of 2019, early this year. Before that, he fought Junior Dos Santos, and he lost that fight by unanimous decision, and that was in April 2016. So, 
big gap. I'm not, I'm not sure if he got injured between those last two fights, but that's a big gap. Uh, before that, he fought Josh Barnett. He won that fight by submission with a guillotine in round two, and that was in January 2016. And if I remember correctly, I believe... <clears throat> sorry. If I remember correctly, I believe Ben was the first one ever to ever uh, submit Josh Barnett. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, all right. Thoughts to... Uh, thoughts to my bad. My thoughts and keys to victory for each fighter. Starting with Arlovski. Number one, be the aggressive fighter, but fight smart while doing so. You know, don't go rushing in. Make Ben come to you. And when he does, use the boxing to piece him up and then circle away and then do it again. Ben is the much slower fighter of the two. And Arlovski is def one of the faster heavyweights and always has been. You know what I mean? He needs to, you know, fight really light on his feet like he usually does needs to throw combos and he needs to be the one to strike first strike first strike fast but uh once the combo or single strike is thrown get the fuck out of the way and don't let ben rush forward with you know i mean looping counter shots and uh, try to wrap you up against the fence because ben loves to do that which goes into my second key for arlovsky it's very rare that andre is the smaller fighter when he fights because he's fucking huge but um when he is the smaller fighter, he always seems to be the one getting backed up and also tends to get wrapped up all the fucking time, get pushed up against the fence and, um, you know, controlled over there. He needs to keep the fucking fight in the middle of the fucking octagon. And every time he feels he's getting close or near to the fucking fence, he needs to circle away and maintain the octagon control again. But like I said, because he's the, sh um, you know, shorter fighter in this bout, chances are he will more than likely get pushed up against that fucking fence like like he did against um you know his last opponent in Agusa Sakai who was 6-4 um only an inch taller uh, two inches taller than Alaski but you know I mean he was the bigger fighter and he uh he, Sakai even weighed in at the heavyweight limit of 265 and Andre came in around 240 you know what I mean um Ben will probably weigh in at around 265 on the dot like he usually does um like I said though Ben will be much slower, and he's getting older, so he's definitely going to be slower regardless. Uh, Arlovsky needs to 100% take advantage of that. Number three key and thought for Arlovsky, this will be a big factor for Arlovsky, I think. He will not only be the faster fighter, but he will definitely be the fighter with the better gas tank of the two, as Ben has never really shown the greatest cardio in his career, you know? Um, you know, when he does strike, it just in blitzes, and then he stops and does nothing for like long periods of time until he goes for another blitz um andre on the other hand has always shown to be able to go you know go hard for a good three rounds if need be besides the fights that completely stunk in his you know in his last seven fights um you know that all gone the fucking distance so again <laughs> time and time again he's shown that he can pace himself all three rounds ben usually slows down after that first round and arvlaski needs to completely gas ben out in that first round and when throwing volumes and strikes, he needs to straight up abuse Ben's body with fucking mean fucking hooks. In Arlovsky's last fight, he showed that he can really beat the body up very well. And he needs to do that shit against Ben. Um, and do it most of the first round. And once he sees Ben significantly slow down, he needs to really turn it on. Uh, you know, not get wild, but he really needs to turn it on. And then just pick Ben apart for the rest of the fight or however long it goes. Um, pretty much, Ben... Uh, Pretty much, Arlovsky needs to fight Ben exactly how Junior Dos Santos fought him back in 2016 and be the smart boxing fighter and just stick and move all fucking fight. Um, Alright, moving on to the keys to victory and thoughts for Ben Rothwell. 
<laughs> if you know and have watched Ben's fights, you know there's really not too many things in general, you know, not too many keys to victory he would need. So um, I'm just going to do two main keys and, uh, you know, I'm going to try to detail it as, as much as possible. Uh, starting with number one, he needs to take some fucking risks, especially because he is usually the fighter backing his opponent up all fight. He's usually hesitant and, um, and uh, you know, in this fight, he cannot be hesitant. When he's backing the fighter up, he needs to fucking blitz in a lot more than he usually does. It's been shown that Arlovsky's chin has failed him a number of fucking times. Yes, like I said, Arlovsky's last seven fights have gone the distance, but it has shown that his chin is not the same as it once was when he was a champion in uh, 2016. Uh, 2006, sorry. <laughs> Granted, yes, that was over 14 fucking years ago, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know what I mean? He hasn't gotten any younger, so that chin will never be the same and he takes damage man have you seen this guy's nose fucking ugh, looking like a fucking nike sign it's nuts uh, andre definitely has been playing more of a safer game since his return uh you know to the ufc in 2014 besides the knockout losses to Stepe and alistair in 2016 and Nganu in 2017 but since that last knockout to francis is when the seven straight fights that went to decision started <laughs> and getting knocked out by Francis fucking Nganu will definitely make you want to fight cautious from then on. So, you know, I don't blame him. <laughs> but regardless, Ben needs to take risks and completely try to blitz Arlovsky every fucking time he has him backing up. I said for Arlovsky to circle away any time he feels he is near the fence. But because this is Ben's key to victory, he needs to completely smother uh, Andre every time he gets him near the fucking fence. Don't allow Andre to circle away. Once Ben gets Andre close to that fucking fence, he needs to push forward right away, get Andre up against that fucking cage and start throwing strikes in that clinch and have him pinned up against it while trying to find an opening for a single leg takedown. Taking Andre down is a lot tougher, you know what I mean? A lot easier said than done. But Ben is the bigger fighter in this fight, so it could be possible. Uh, going into number two and um, final key in thought for Ben. Again, going back to what I was saying in Andre's keys, Ben's cardio is not great past the first and uh, second round. I say fuck the cardio, and like I said earlier, take fucking risks and go all fucking out in that first round and go for the fucking kill. You know what I mean? Andre does not do well when he's the one getting pressured. So simply utilize the pressure and throw everything, including the motherfucking kitchen sink in that first round and try to get Andre the fuck out of there quick and early in that first round. In Ben's fight with Junior Dos Santos, he was pretty much a fucking punching bag that walks. He cannot allow Andre to move around and throw punches whenever the fuck he wants and, um, you know, move away right after. You know, Andre is not, you know, not as great of a boxer as uh, Dos Santos, but he is very good at his boxing. And um, he really knows how to utilize his reach. He needs to make, uh, Ben needs to make Andre pay every fucking time he decides to throw. Again, take fucking risks. Every time Andre throws, throw heavy fucking punches from the fucking get-go and just, you know what I mean? Shit, we even saw Ben throw a fucking head kick at Dos, Santo, uh, at Dos Santos in the fourth round in that fight. So shit, throw them shits in the first round in this fight. Again though, main thing, don't be a fucking walking punching bag because this should be a fight Ben can definitely win by being the aggressor. Fuck cardio. Fuck it all. Just fucking go for it. <laughs> Be the same Ben Rothwell that broke my damn heart when he was, uh, when I was sitting three rows away from cage side <laughs> last time the UFC came to Connecticut back in 2014 when, uh, when you knocked out Alistair Overeem. 
Ugh, still have nightmares about that. <laughs> I'm a huge Alistair fan. But yeah, be that guy. Be that Ben Rothwell that completely knocked out Alistair when uh, the UFC last came back to Connecticut in 2014. Um, <laughs> still breaks my heart. But yeah, be that fucking guy. Final pick. I'm going with Andre by decision. I see this fight being very identical to the Junior Dos Santos versus Ben fight. And, um, yeah, I, like I said, Ben, you know, he's slowing down. And uh, chances are it's going to be almost the same exact thing. And Andre's going to use him as a punching bag, just like Junior did. Uh, did I say by what? Yeah, I said by decision. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he's just going to use him as a whole punching bag for the whole three rounds and get that win easily. All right, moving on. It is a lightweight bout between Alexander Hernandez taking on Francisco Trinaldo. Um, going into the last three fights, starting with Alexander Hernandez, he fought Donald Cerrone last. He lost that fight by TKO in round two. That was early this year in January. He was on an eight-fight winning streak before that loss. Uh, before that, he fought Olivier Aubin Mercier. He won that fight by unanimous decision. That was in July of 2018. Before that, he fought Benil Dariush. He won that fight by KO in round one in March 2018. Last three fights for Francisco Trinaldo, starting with, uh, it was Evan Dunham. He won that fight by TKO in round two. That was in September 2018. Before that, he fought James Vick. Lost that fight by unanimous decision in February 2018. Before that, he fought Jim Miller. He won that fight by unanimous decision, and that was in October 2017. Uh, all right, let's get right into the keys and thoughts, starting with Alexander Hernandez. Uh, if you watch his last fight against Cowboy or his fight even against Dariush, you see Alex right away from the opening bell rush in full steam uh, right at the fucking beginning and get right into their face, not caring about maintaining a proper distance. He can get away with that with some fighters who isn't much of takedown of a takedown artist, even though Cowboy did still get a takedown in that first round. Regardless, there are some fighters you can do that to, and there are fighters that you cannot do that to. And this fight is, um, you know, this fight is being one of those fighters that you don't do that to, being against uh, Francisco Trinaldo. If Alex rushes in and not control, you know, and if he rushes in out of control and uh, doesn't have control of the fucking distance, he will get taken down and very fucking easily, as Francisco is a fucking beast and very strong. Alex needs to keep this fight on the feet, but use great fucking movement to stay away from Trinaldo. Uh, when he goes in to wrap him up, he needs to fucking break away, get the fucking underhooks, and break away, and um, get right back into the center. Use creative striking that he is known for, for that, um, you know, with the stand switches and, you know, the front kicks and shit. He really needs to use those front kicks to keep Trinaldo away every time he gets too fucking close. That's going to be a very big fucking key. Um, he, he just needs to get Trinaldo to stay away from him. Don't get too fucking close and, you know, leave yourself open to get wrapped up. Number two, Alex needs to fight this pace almost exactly how he fought Aubin Marcier. Keep the distance and every time Trinaldo pushes him up against the fucking fence, he needs to break away and circle right back to the middle of the cage. Usually every fight Alex has, he, uh, he has been the one that's pushing, you know, he's pushing forward with the pressure. And if you watch Trinaldo's fights, he's literally always the one pushing forward with the pressure. So, I mean, I'm honestly not too sure who outpressures who this fight, but I don't think Alex needs to even do that this fight. He needs to fight very smart and use the two-inch reach advantage that he has. Uh, you know, with the jabs, and um, I, 
I think he's like an inch taller as well. So, you know, he'll have the longer legs. He needs to use those front kicks, like I said. But at the same time, he needs to be careful with the shots that he throws. As it's been shown that Ronaldo has very good counter punching. He is a great power, uh, power puncher. He's a great counter puncher. And um, like I said, he needs to be creative with those goddamn strikes and throw multiple strike combos, but not with just the hands. He needs to mix in leg kicks, body kicks, and head kicks all after the combos with the hands. You know what I mean? Throw the three-piece and then throw a leg kick right after, body kick right after, or a head kick right after. But it has to come right after the combos with the hands. But regardless, use very heavy volume, high volume, and keep this fight at his distance all fucking fight. Number three... Uh, like I said, keep the fight on the feet. If it happens to get taken down, um, you know, and Francisco gets the takedown, he shouldn't be too seriously worried about the submission game. Uh, Alex shouldn't. Because Trinaldo, I mean, as has been shown, you know, it's been six years since his last submission victory. Trinaldo does have five wins on his record, but since 2013, he's really abandoned that part of his skill set and has become more of a stand-up, brawling type of fighter. Alex needs to use that aggression against Ronaldo and have it backfire on him. You know what I mean? Play the cat and mouse game and have him chase you all fight. But if the fight goes to the fucking ground, you have to do everything you can to get back to the feet. But don't do it in a rush or out of desperation. Look for an opening to get back on the feet. You know what I mean? Don't get careless and leave yourself open for a fucking mount. Or, um, you know what I mean? Or, you know, back control. Uh... Hernandez got mounted at one point in his fight against Aubin Mercier, so it's been shown it's a possibility. Um, you know, and if he gets mounted, he needs to make sure he does not leave a fucking opening for Trinaldo to start working for a head and arm triangle. You know, like like I said, he did abandon his submission game, but out of his five submission wins, the head and arm triangle is his favorite submission to lock in. And um, you know what I mean? You cannot allow yourself to get mounted if taken down. Be smart and be patient. Fight the hands and find an opening to get back up if it gets to the, uh, if it gets to the ground. All right, keys and thoughts for Francisco Trinaldo. Number one, use the forward pressure and get Alex moving backwards and get him up against the fucking fence. Get a clinch. Throw heavy shots in that clinch. It's been shown how strong Francisco is, and when he locks in the uh, locks in the clinch up against the fence, he usually maintains that control for a decent amount of time. But at the same time. Trinaldo is turning 41 in August, so chances are, like I said about Ben Rothwell earlier, chances are he's slowing down, you know what I mean, father time has, is undefeated, uh, you know, so Trinaldo has to pick and choose the shots, and, um, you know, he needs to preserve his fucking gas tank as well, uh, Alex will be using his footwork all fight, so Trinaldo needs to cut off the angles as much as possible, um, and not allow Alex to circle away whenever the fuck he wants, Alex needs to keep the fight in the center of the octagon, Trinaldo needs to push the fight up against the cage. Um, all right, number two, when the fight is up against the cage, other than working the big shots in the clinch, work for a single leg takedown, or you know what I mean, wrap up, um, you know, like right, you know, wrap up both legs and take his feet from underneath them, pull them just from underneath them and get that fucking takedown. Alex will be trying to burst out of the fucking clinch no matter what. So Trinaldo needs to be quick with it. He needs to have a really tight grip on Alex, and he needs to really snatch his legs from underneath him. In uh, Trinaldo's fight against Kevin Lee, Trinaldo had no fucking problem keeping the fight on the feet and, uh, you know, going shot for shot with him. But that's only because Kevin Lee is not an amazing striker, you know what I mean? Amazing fighter, sure, but he is not an amazing striker. 
and um, Trinaldo was able to land really heavy shots and even rock Kevin Lee a couple times and um, you know I mean with the overhand uh, the counter overhand left that's his favorite punch but this is not the fight to go shot for shot with Alex because you know Alex I mean Alex should be smart enough to not get baited into that type of fight um, if you can bait Alex into a brawl even for a few fucking moments then try and time that counter left or even knees up the middle like he did to Evan Dunham uh, you know, when he, uh, when he straight up stole his fucking liver with that fucking shot, chances are though, Alex will be in and out with his strikes, so, and he won't be a stationary target, um, you know, and just stand in front of Ronaldo. but if Ronaldo, if Ronaldo could manage to get Alex careless, then he needs to completely make him pay, just for the, those, those little moments that he could get him careless, he needs to make him pay. Number three key for Ronaldo and thought, uh, Ah, Jesus, <laughs> Cronaldo's striking is incredibly underrated. He lands over three significant strikes a minute and absorbs less than two and a half a minute. His defense is at 60%, and although he is getting older and older, his defense needs to be on point in this fight. He can't allow Alex to start teeing off with combos and neutralize Alex's relentless movement by wrapping him up every chance he gets. Every time Alex gets too close, he needs to wrap him up. Um, Alex absorbs over four significant strikes a minute in his UFC career, so he likes to play with fire sometimes, you know what I mean? Uh, the kid's footwork is great, but the head movement, it, not so much, you know? So if Francisco does want to stand and, you know, strike with this kid, he needs to make sure the shots he lands are fucking heavy. And he, they need to fucking land. Uh, I say the way to win this fight is to wrap Alex up and control the fight that way, but like I said, Alex does like to throw himself into the fire in moments, uh, you know, in moments of the fight where he gets careless. Um... And if, uh, if Ronaldo could fucking catch him in that fucking moment, he needs to get that fucking big shot landed. If he's not going to fucking fight smart, you know what I mean, wrapping up and taking down, then Ronaldo needs to beat up the fucking body of Alex to slow down his movement. Ronaldo has to have, like, I mean, he, he, he just has to have a great game plan with this fucking fight. He has to do different things, but he cannot just stand and trade with him. I don't believe that's a good fucking idea, but, you know... Ronaldo loves to strike. That's what he's been trying. That's what he's been loving to do, and um, he needs to beat that goddamn body up. Then, if that's what he plans to do, and slow down, uh, you know, Alex's relentless movement. Ronaldo has shown to have really good and mean digging body shots, so you know that will be a factor if he wants to fucking slow him down. Um, it's all about game plan, though. You know, uh, not a great game plan if that's what the fuck he wants to do. But Ronaldo is a vet, and you know he knows what he's doing. My final pick for this fight, though, I'm going to go with Ronaldo for the big upset. <laughs> like I said, Ronaldo's counterpunching is very good, and his striking defense is over 60% because of it. He needs to drag the fight, you know what I mean? He needs to drag the fight on, and if he could get the fight to the ground, use the experience in that department as well, you know what I mean? Um, but, like I said, he has abandoned that ground game years ago, so, you know, chances are... I, I can't see him going for a takedown and a submission, so this fight will more than likely just be a stand-up fight. And with that being said, for some big fucking reason, I think Alex will get caught while being careless during uh, one of his flurries and get countered with a big left hand from Ronaldo. Uh, I don't know why. I see it. But, you know I mean? If uh, Alex wins, it's just going to be by completely picking uh, Ronaldo apart. But for some reason, I see him getting careless and getting caught. So, uh, <laughs> let's see. I think, I think Ronaldo's a pretty big underdog that fight, too. So, uh, let's, <laughs> let's see. I can't wait to see that one. 
Um, Alright, next fight. It is a lightweight bout between Dan Hooker versus James Vick. Going into the last three fights, starting with James Vick. Uh, who was on a, a two-fight losing streak right now. Only losing streak in his career. His last fight was against Paul Felder. Lost that by unanimous decision uh, in February early this year. Before that, it was against Justin Gaethje. Where he got knocked dead with a KO in round one in August 2018. Before that, he fought Francisco Ronaldo, Who we just talked about. And he won that fight by unanimous decision in February 2018. Last three fights for Dan Hooker. He fought Edson Barboza. He lost that fight by TKO in round three in December 2018. That fight was fucking nuts. Uh, Hooker just completely got beat the fuck up all fight until that uh, TKO in round three. But he showed how fucking tough he is, man, because he was taking a beating before he got uh, finished. <laughs> but um, yeah, before that, he fought Gilbert Burns. He won that fight by KO in round one. That was in July 2018. Before that, he fought Jim Miller, won that fight by KO as well in round one, and that was in April 2018. Uh, My keys keys to victory and thoughts, starting with James Vick. Number one, being the bigger fighter with the three-inch reach advantage and the one-inch, the three-inch height advantage and the one-inch reach advantage, he needs to utilize that size big time in this fight, especially the long front kicks that he really likes to use. You know, keep Dan away and keep him at bay. Dan is successful, most successful when he gets on the inside. James needs to keep him on the outside with those front kicks and those quick popping jabs. Um, This fight will more than likely be a stand-up fight every round, all fight. So if that's the fucking case, James needs to use that. uh, He needs to use that jab all fight and keep the fight at his distance. Keep Dan at the end of those punches and kicks. Uh, James Vick also has shown to have decent leg kicks as well. I mean, they're not the greatest, you know, but he does have decent leg kicks. In Dan's last fight with Barboza, he got fucking demolished with leg kicks and, you know, hasn't shown a great ability to check, uh, you know, to check the kicks. Uh, You know, James Vick is nowhere near the power kicking ability of Barboza, but an unchecked leg kick will hurt, period, no matter who's fucking throwing it. Uh, Two... James Vick is on a two-fight losing streak, you know what I mean? And uh, in these two fights, he was the fighter fighting backwards and is not great while moving backwards. James needs to be the one pushing forward. Like uh, like James, Dan is also not the best when fighting backwards and usually gets hit with big fucking shots when he's the one being pressured. And, you know what I mean, at his best when he is the one pressuring. James needs to meet Dan in the middle with the pressure game. If James is the one backpedaling, he's going to lose his fucking fight by getting out-volumed while getting pushed back. When James fights going forward, he only throws single strikes. He can't do that shit this fight. His volume level needs to be higher than a lot of his recent fights. Um, Number three, only one of Hooker's wins have come by a way of decision, which has shown how fucking, you know what I mean, how fucking much of a killer he is. James Vick needs to be careful when getting in the pocket against Hooker. Get on the inside with a few good shots, then circle away, but then get right in and do the same again. Dan Hooker has been known to keep his left hand very fucking low and uh, doesn't usually bring the left hand back to guard after throwing it or even when he like tries to use his head movement. Um, you know what I mean? Once he's, uh, once he's done using the head movement, he doesn't bring his hand back to guard. James Vick needs to take advantage of that fucking flaw and land the big hand, uh, the big overhand right or the big uh, straight right down the fucking middle. 
in Dan's fight against Jim Miller, before uh, before Dan was able to get the finish, he was getting hit with big shots from Miller. Miller isn't even known as a striker, and um, you know, I mean, he's not even known as a knockout artist. So the shots, you know, they didn't have much effect to Hooker, and um, Dan Hooker is a huge fighter from uh, for lightweight too. You know what I mean? So he can take shots, but the shots landed nonetheless. So it's shown that he gets hit, especially when his fucking left hand is down. Especially after throwing his own strikes, it's still fucking down. Um, he doesn't use in and out movement like he should if he fights with his hand down like that. So you know, I mean, he's gotten away with it in many fights, and um, you know that's what makes his style good for him, as it you know as it doesn't work for everyone, but. This fight, James needs to exploit that hole in Hooker's stand-up and land the big right or even, you know, head kick off of a fucking combo. You know, uh, right head kick to the left side. Uh, Hooker absorbs over five fucking significant strikes a minute and James will need to use that fact to his advantage and get creative with the strikes and land at high volumes with them. Um, Alright, keys and thoughts for Dan Hooker. Number one, make a leg, make leg kicks a big part of the fucking game plan. James is fucking 6'3". Dude got those flamingo from Domingo legs. You know what I mean? Chop those fucking legs up. And you know what I mean? If you chop those fucking legs up, not only will it completely fuck up James's movement, but it will also keep him guessing on what strikes are thrown all fucking fight. And um, you know what I mean? When he's worrying about the leg kicks, it'll keep him guessing with other strikes, you know what I'm saying, keep him guessing with different and creative strikes, and keep James moving back, uh, like I said, in James's key to victory, uh, he isn't great at fighting backwards, and has been fighting backwards in his last two fights, and lost both of them, one by a crazy, by a fucking devastating knockout to Justin Gaethje, uh, Dan needs to walk James down, but keep the fucking hands up after throwing the combos, like I, like I said he does early, he, he fucking leaves his hand down, um, as I said, Dan has a really fucking bad habit of fucking doing that a lot um, at all times. And it's fucking annoying. I feel like he's really going to get caught with, you know, sooner or later and get dropped dead with a fucking overhand right by someone. So, you know, if James wants to win this fight, he has to try to land that overhand right. Uh, Number two, Dan has to work his way on the inside and rip Vic's body up. Vic, being the taller and more slender of the two, Body shots will always be there as Vic can't block his whole abdomen, you know what I mean, due to being that tall and, you know, his abdomen being that long. There will always be an opening. Dan needs to find that opening and greatly affect Vic with that body shot. Rip that long-ass torso up with punches and body kicks. And, of course, knees up the middle that Dan loves to throw. Uh, He loves throwing the knee up the middle to the head, usually, but that's usually when he's, um, you know, fighting the shorter fighter and fight, uh, fighters who are smaller than him because Dan is like I said a big lightweight already and usually has a size advantage in his fights he will not have that advantage in this fight and James being the three you know with three inches taller it it's very unlikely that Dan can land a flush knee you know up the middle to the head unless it's in a clinch and um you know he pulls his head down but um yeah I don't see that happening like he did to Jim Miller and Ross Pearson you know Uh, With that being said, he needs to throw those fucking knees up the middle to the body instead of the head. Uh, But regardless, rip the fucking body up with whatever. Rip that goddamn body up. Uh, 
Number three, as I stated earlier, I believe this fight will take place on the feet the whole time. I don't see either going for a fucking takedown, but if anyone goes for a takedown attempt, it would more than likely be Dan, uh, who I believe is a lot more well-rounded. Like I said earlier, only one of his, uh, only one of Dan's wins went to the distance, and uh, the others were nine wins by KO and the other seven by submission. This guy's a fucking finisher, you know. With that said, I think the fight will stay on the feet, but I think Dan should really, you know, mix it all up and include takedowns. Dan loves the guillotine choke, so you know the fight technically doesn't have to get taken down, um, you know, with that, you know, for that choke to get locked in. It can happen on the feet, and you know end up on the fucking ground but if that happens he needs to make sure that that submission is locked in tight so he doesn't just you know just end up on the fucking ground with Vic on top of him and giving that position up but still I think he should mix it up and attempt a few takedowns even if there's nothing on them attempt them and just you know just to keep James thinking keep him overthinking and uh, keep him guessing with what he's gonna with what Dan's gonna do next one of the and one last key for Dan get under Vic's skin it's been shown that Vic is an emotional character uh get under his skin by taunting him after, you know every time he misses shots taunt him call him forward whatever you got to do to you know get him to you know commit and get close to where Dan can start landing those body punches or the knees up the middle to the body and um you know close that the close tight combos with punches as well Dan's really good with that but he has to get on the inside for that and um if he can make uh Vic go to him even better uh but like i said earlier dan fights better when he's the one on the inside and vic doesn't usually allow fighters to get on the inside because he's so long uh so hooker needs to do what he can to get vic to commit carelessly when attacking and uh, you know make him pay when dan is able to get on the inside um my final pick for this fight i'm going with dan hooker by tko or decision i think this fight will end up being fight of the night i honestly don't know why this isn't the co-main event um, but I think this will be a technical brawl. You know what I mean? It'll be a great fight, but it'll be very technical. Um, but since Vic's KO loss uh, to Gaethje, though, he, he hasn't fought the same. You know, he's very um, timid, I guess. Uh, so he needs to fight this fight kind of like how he fought Joe Duffy. You know, that was like his perfect fight. And this, this matchup is kind of almost the same. Uh, he seems more tentative now, you know, and I think... He will come into this fight throwing a little more caution to the win and try to get a finish because of his last two losses, but I see him over committing and getting careless and caught or finished, or he will just, you know, be tentative and fight backwards all fight and Dan will pick him apart from, uh, especially from the second round on, uh, after he gets the timing and distance down. But yeah, I got, I got Dan by TKO or decision. All right. Moving on, it is a heavyweight bout between Greg Hardy and Juan Adams. I'm going to get right into the last three fights, starting with Greg Hardy. Last fight was against Dmitry Smolyakov, and he won that fight by TKO in round one in April 2018. Before that, he fought Alan Crowder. He lost that fight by disqualification in round two, where he landed an illegal knee, and Alan could not continue. Um... I think he, I think Allen just took the easy victory, but I don't fucking care. I don't care for Greg Hardy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was in round two, and that was in January early this year. And that was Greg Hardy's UFC debut. Before that, he fought on Dana White's Contender Series. He fought Rasheem Jones, won that fight by KO in round one, and that was in September 2018. Going to the last three fights for Juan Adams. 
He fought uh, Arjun Buller last. He lost that fight by unanimous decision, and that was in May early this year. Before that, he fought Chris De La Rocha. He won that fight by KO in round three, and that was in December 2018, and that was his UFC debut. Before that, he fought Sean Teed on Dana White's Contender Series. He won that fight by TKO in round one. That was in July 2018. All right, going into uh, the keys and thoughts for this fight. I honestly, honestly don't even want to cover this fucking fight because you know it's straight. It just straight up pisses me off how this fight is over. Hooker versus James Vick. But I'm just gonna do one main key to victory for each fighter. But truthfully, there's. You know what I mean? I really don't want to do this, but I'm just going to do one main key because it's really only one thing each fighter can do to win this fucking fight. Starting with Greg Hardy, simply put, go for the motherfucking kill right from the fucking start. There's not much tape on Adams from what I, you know, from what I tried to search, but from watching the fight that he had with uh, De La Rocha in his UFC debut, I can see he does not have the best defense on the feet. He keeps his hands up, but like, on, like just under his fucking chin and very fucking wide apart and when De La Rocha was throwing his fucking strikes down the middle Adams didn't show any fucking head movement or raise his hands higher after he got hit um he, he just got hit with the fucking shots Greg needs to throw huge winging shots and go into kill mode right away but when he throws he needs to make sure they are calculated shots and he needs to make sure that he is not missing and ends up gassing himself out. Um, like I always say, you gas out quicker when you miss big shots than when you land them. Uh, he needs to finish this fucking fight in the first round because if it goes past the first round, it's shown Greg Hardy's cardio is fucking shitty as fuck. Like we've seen in this fight against Crowder. Crowder was getting the best of him and making him miss. At every shot he missed, the more gassed out he got. And um, Crowder was winning that fucking fight until the disqualification, honestly. But, um... Yeah, if this fight goes past the first round, he will be in trouble. But going back to Adam striking, he does not have any fucking technique in his punches, man. You have to see this fight against De La Rocha. It's like very bad, man. It's very bad. Um, in the De La Rocha fight, all the punches I saw him throw were ugly as shit and sloppy as fuck and very fucking flat-footed. Very flat-footed. Um, I think he even closes his fucking eyes when he fucking strikes sometimes, man. Um, and he doesn't bring his fucking hands back to guard after throwing those fucking sloppy strikes. Greg needs to take full advantage of that and throw two to three shots at a time. I'm almost 100% sure at least one of those big fucking shots will land and have Adams in trouble right when that fucking shot lands. Um, Alright, moving on to the key and thought for Juan Adams. Like I said, for Greg, he will more than likely come in this fight guns blazing from the start. Adam's head movement is fucking garbage. But if he wants to win this fucking fight, he better have worked on that shit because he will need to make Greg miss those big shots. He wants Greg to gas out, he needs to make him miss. He needs to make sure that this fight goes past that first fucking round. Um, even in the first round, when trying to make Greg miss, use his fucking momentum on those crazy heavy, you know, heavy swings and shoot for takedowns using his momentum, making the takedowns easier. When Greg is swinging, don't try to fucking swing back against him because you will get knocked the fuck dead. He has to be incredibly smart and not get suckered into a fucking brawl because he will not win that motherfucking fight. Uh, you know, of course... This this fight being a heavyweight, anything can happen. And of course, Juan can, you know, miraculously catch him with 
fuck with his eyes closed and knock him out. But I don't see that happening. Um, I don't see him knocking Greg out on the feet. He needs to gas Greg out as much as possible in that first round. Shit, if he can even get him down in that first round and hold him down and make him, you know, carry his fucking weight, uh, you know, the whole fucking round, even fucking better. Because that'll tire his, tire his arms out even more and, you know, a lot quicker. Use that top heavy pressure on the ground and try to get a fucking mount and then rain down big shots. Like, I mean, fucking straight up King Kong hammer fists. You know what I mean? And get Greg the fuck out of there with a TKO or just keep attacking the takedowns and control, you know, the whole fucking fight on the ground. Make him carry your weight and tire him the sh- fuck out. I can't, you know what I mean? I, I, I can't stress that enough. He that's, that's, that's the main fucking key. He needs... To make Greg gas the fuck out. He don't. He lost. Period. But um, my final pick for this fight. I don't like it. Because I don't like him. But I'm going with Greg Hardy. Via, T- uh, via KO or TKO. Like I said. Adam's striking is horrendous. Along with his striking defense. I don't know which is worse. But um, yeah. He goes into this. I mean. I'm. It, as, if he shoots for the fucking takedown right away, good for him. But for some reason, I see Greg coming in guns fucking blazing. And um, <laughs> if Adam's striking is, you know, like how it was against De La Rocha and nothing has, you know, gotten better, this motherfucker's getting put to sleep in round Juan. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's going to motherfucking sleep. That's what I think. No if, ands, or buts about it, I think. Yeah. Moving on, the co-main event is a heavyweight bout between Alexi Olenek taking on Walt Harris. Going into the last three fights with um, Alexi Olenek, his last fight was against Alistair Overeem. He lost that fight by a TKO in round one. That was in April 2019. And uh, his last fight before that was against Mark Hunt. He won that fight with a submission with a rear naked choke in round one. And that was in September 2018. Before that, he fought Junior Albini. He won that fight by submission as well uh, with an Ezekiel choke in round one. And that was in May 2018. Going to the last three fights for Walt Harris. He last fought, uh, fart. <laughs> fought Sergey Spivak. He won that fight by TKO in round one. That was in May 2019. Before that, he fought Andrei Avlaski. And as I said earlier, that fight was turned to a no contest. Um, after Walt Harris won that fight by a split decision, but it was overturned after Harris tested positive for banned substances. Um, it is what it is though. Don't do drugs. Illegal drugs. <laughs> Daniels and then, uh, <laughs> I lost key real quick. My bad. Um, uh, the last, in the last fight before that, Harris fought Daniel Spitz. He won that fight with a TKO in round two, and that was in June 2018. Um, going into the keys and thoughts, starting with Walt Harris. Number one, keep the fucking fight in the middle of the octagon. As everyone knows, Olenek's bread and butter is on the ground, and his submission game is insane. You know what I mean? He's only, I think, two two fighters in the UFC that has pulled off the Ezekiel choke, and he's done it numerous times. Um, in his fight against uh, Alistair Overeem, Olenek even pulled guard right in the first 20 seconds of the fucking fight. And, uh, and Alistair has very underrated ground game. You know what I mean? At least he used to when he was in K1 in Dream. You know what I mean? Back in the day. Uh, he hasn't gotten a submission win since 2009. But 
I, I think is definitely still in his arsenal, you know? Regardless, what I'm saying is if Olenek pulled guard on Alistair, it's very it's a very high chance that he could try this with Harris. Um, so Harris needs to keep his distance and blitz in with fucking strikes, but get right out of the fucking way ASAP. Don't get wrapped up and get pushed up against the fucking fence. But if it happens, you need to get those underhooks and break the fuck away and get back right and get right back to the center and um, start fighting at your fucking distance. Uh, number two, Olenek is not a great striker, but he is not afraid to strike. But more times than not, he uses the striking just to back the opponent up, you know, get it up against the fence to start working for a takedown. Every time Olenek blitzes in, circle away. Don't be the one getting backed up. Olenek gets very fucking wild with his strikes and just wings fucking shots while looking down pretty much. Um, he's just throwing all from the shoulder, you know without really aiming at a fucking target. He just wings shots upstairs until one lands, or if he gets the fighter up against the fence, he'll just wing shots and, you know, throw shots to the body and shit, but very sloppy strikes, but they're very heavy, and he's not scared to go shot for shot. Um, keep the fight at, Walt has to keep the fight at his distance and get the fuck out of the way every time that um, Olenek blitzes in with sloppy strikes. But at the same time, if he could, cry and time a counter shot when Olenek comes in with those swinging hooks. Usually, when Olenek starts striking, it's usually wild hooks and haymakers. Never straight punches down the middle. So with that being said, he needs to find that timing and opening, uh, you know, to land a counter right uppercut, right up the fucking middle. Um, you know what I mean? Because when Olenek throws those strikes, the whole middle of his body and head is wide fucking open. He needs to time that shit and land a big uppercut down the fucking middle when Olenek is coming in with those fucking hooks. Um, but if the uppercut is not there, or the opportunity is not there, just circle away, and again, maintain the octagon control, and, um, you know, like, keep Olenek from pushing forward, pretty much, no matter what. Utilize the quick step-in feints that Harris is usually known for, and if Olenek bites on the feints, then burst into the inside, land hard strikes, but don't get too fucking close, like I said, you know, to allow yourself to get wrapped up and pushed up against the fence. Um, Alright, let's get into the uh, keys for Olenek. Honestly, <laughs> there's only one main key for Alexi in my opinion, so I'll, I'll try to detail it as much as I can. Um, don't make this a fucking striking match. Do everything possible to get the fight to the fucking ground. Try and make it an easy and quick night just by getting the takedown and lock in a submission. Um, pretty much have the same game plan that Fabricio steroid taken where Doom did when uh, he fought Harris on short notice. If you haven't seen that fight, it was in uh, UFC 216, and Fabricio where Doom was originally scheduled to fight Derek Lewis, but Lewis pulled out of the fight a day before, and uh, Harris was already on the prelims slated to fight Mark Godbeer, but ended up taking the fight with where Doom in attempts to win and move up big time in the rankings. Um, you know, except he got taken down in the first 40 seconds of the fight and then submitted a minute later. Um, but yeah, sorry, fuck, I thought something fell or some shit. <laughs> but yeah, he got taken down 40 seconds in and then submitted a minute later. Fabricio took no fucking risk during that fight. He, I think, you know, he did throw a few strikes to open the round and like one leg kick, but he pretty much right away shot for the fucking single leg. That's exactly what Olenek needs to do. Go get in there. Do your thing and do what you're fucking best at and get that fucking takedown and get out with a submission victory. Harris isn't the greatest striker and, you know, does tend to get wild like, like Olenek does sometimes. And Olenek, fuck, you hear my annoying ass dog? <laughs> that, 
That's that's what the fuck's making all that noise. <sighs> so fucking annoying. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> Olenek can and very well though win a striking battle. You know what I mean? Because Walt Harris is not the greatest striker. But I don't even think it's a good idea to try and risk that shit. Because Harris has a 3 inch height advantage. Chances are he will be the one pushing forward. So use that forward progression and um, momentum to his advantage and shoot for takedowns. Anytime um, Walt, you know, once Walt starts throwing the feint, that one time he shoots in after the feint, use that momentum to shoot in for a takedown yourself while he's coming forward, which will make the, uh, make the takedown a lot easier to obtain. If the fight does go past the first round, it's shown Harris slows down noticeably. If Alexi could get the takedown, uh, and get it early in that first round and have Harris carry his weight and hold him up against, um, you know, hold him up against the fence, make him, make him carry his weight there. Just tire him out, tire his arms out, you know, harder and harder, even more and more going into that second round. And if it gets to that second round, then attack the fucking takedown once again and do the exact same fucking thing over again. But he, but attack the submission even more that second round. But, um, my final pick for this fight. I got Olenek by submission. He does get very wild sometimes, but I want to think he's gonna go into this, uh, go into this fight, you know, smart and uh, you know just fight exactly how he needs to and just use what he's good at and uh, you know do what he needs to do and not even get to the point where he needs to throw those you know crazy wildly fucking strikes. You know, he just needs to make this a fucking grappling contest and. Um, you know, get this shit to the fucking ground and get that fucking finish. After getting knocked out by Alistair in his last fight, I would like to think he's gonna come in with he's gonna come into this fight a little cautious, you know, and with a good and smart game plan and just plans to execute that shit to the fullest. But, you know, if Walt wins, it'll probably be by a knockout. But I'm picking Olenek by submission. Alright. Moving on to the main event of the evening. It is a welterweight bout between Rafael dos Anjos versus Leon Edwards. Going into the last three fights, uh, starting with Rafael Dos Anjos, his last fight was against Kevin Lee. He won that fight by submission with a head and arm triangle, and that was in round five. That happened in May 2019, early this year. Before that, he fought Kamaru Usman. He lost that fight by unanimous decision. That was in November 2018. Before that, he fought Colby Covington. Uh, he lost that fight by unanimous decision, and that was in July 2018. The last three fights for Gunnar Nelson, his last fight was against, my bad, the last three fights for Leon Edwards, his last fight was against Gunnar Nelson. He won that fight by split decision in March of 2019, early this year. Before that, Leon fought Donald Cerrone, he won that fight by unanimous decision, and that was in June 2018. Before that, he fought Peter Sabata, he won that fight by TKO in round three in March 2018. Alright. Going into the keys and thoughts for Leon, uh, starting with number one, it's been shown time and time again, Dos Anjos' weakness is elite wrestlers. It's been shown in his fights against Clay Guida, Gleason Tebow, Khabib, and most recently, like I said, against Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman. Um, Leon needs to implement his great wrestling that he is known for and, um, you know, neutralize Dos Anjos with it. Dos Anjos loves to throw leg kicks. Leon needs to time those leg kicks and, you know, grab a leg during a kick and work for a single leg. Even in Dos Anjos' last fight against Kevin Lee, 
that you know that he won he was still taken down six times by Kevin Lee you know what I'm saying uh, Dos Anjos just you know he, he just had great defense went on the ground and was able to get the fight back to the feet or reverse the position every time but honestly Kevin's Kevin's ground game isn't great unless he's able to get on the opponent's back and attack a rear naked choke other than that you know what I mean he's great with his I mean you know other than that, he, he's great with the takedowns but can't do anything with them unless he gets a rear naked choke with it um whereas Leon is great with the takedowns but also amazing with the ground control and great with his ground uh, grinding style each round um and uh I think that's what's gonna have to be the main key for Leon which is get the fight to the ground and just grind it out all fight number two Dos Anjos loves to throw those leg kicks like I said try to perfectly time one of those kicks get a hold of the leg get that single leg make Dos Anjos think twice about throwing those fucking kicks Dos Anjos usually is a uh, you know a slow starter in that first round but once he gets it going and starts landing those fucking leg kicks it's usually his world from there on neutralize those fucking leg kicks with either perfectly timed checks or grab a fucking leg when he's kicking and work that fucking takedown um pretty much make him not want to throw those fucking kicks because that is one of his best attacks and once he gets it going that's that's his game from there uh number three last key you know it goes kind of goes back to the first key regarding takedowns when getting the takedown keep the fucking fight on the ground keep control down there and do not get sloppy with the ground and pound which could result in dosanios getting back to the feet which is very good at like i said he also has pretty good takedown defense, uh, Dos Anjos does, that's at uh, 58%, but like I said earlier, when he's going against elite wrestlers, it's damn near a guarantee he's going to get taken down, and a couple times. Don't play into Dos Anjos game and get suckered into a stand-up fight, because I think Leon will lose that type of fight big time. Um, you know, use the striking just, you know, just to close the distance and then wrap up and drag Dos Anjos to the fucking ground or push him up against the fence and work for the takedown that way. Regardless, make this a fucking takedown and grind it out fight. Do exactly what Colby and uh, Kamaru did. Don't let Dos Anjos breathe. If Dos Anjos is the one dictating the pace, then it's going to be his fight. You cannot let him do that. Suffocate him with that relentless pressure and always have him thinking of when the takedowns are coming throw strikes to confuse him and then go for the fucking takedown right after uh you know what i mean right when he don't when he doesn't expect it um going into the keys and thoughts for dos Anjos, one do not get backed up this fucking fight you have to be the one that's getting in the face of leon dos Anjos is uh you know what i mean he gets neutralized when fighting backwards and that especially happens when he's fighting the elite wrestlers this fight, he needs to be the first one in every aspect of the fight. Strike first, strike fast, and strike hard. And keep this fight on the fucking feet for as long as possible and out-volume Leon with those mean digging body shots that, uh, you know, Dos Anjos is known for. And, of course, those leg kicks that I keep mentioning. Um, if he can chop down Leon's legs and have him walking gingerly by the, you know, by at least by the end of the second round, because this is a five-round fight then it will be insanely hard for Leon to get the takedown, you know, let alone even get a good opportunity to, you know, get a good shot at the takedown, um, but, you know, because he won't have, he won't have much on it because of the damage in his leg, he can clearly and definitely still manage a takedown because he's a great wrestler, but, you know, fucking up his legs will 100% make it harder for him to get the takedown, no doubt, um, Dos Anjos lands an average of 3.6 significant strikes a minute. 
in this fight i say he needs to land at least around five uh five or six and three of them being nasty leg kicks uh number two Kiefer dos Anjos. again leon is the elite wrestler of the two and even has a takedown defense of 67 percent which is very fucking good but dos Anjos has very underrated takedown ability um, you know, besides keeping the fight on the feet majority of the time, I say after chopping off the legs for the full first round, catch Leon off guard and shoot for takedowns in that second round. If Dos Anjos can get takedowns, uh, you know, the chances are Leon will probably find a way to get back to the feet if it happens. But, you know, if it happens, so be it. Dos Anjos should just go for another takedown right after. Completely fuck up the mindset of Leon. Um, you know what I mean? Who, who's probably thinking that Dos Anjos is going to be all striking this fight throw him uh, you know catch him off guard uh like i said earlier dos Anjos has to be first in every fucking aspect of the fight and that includes the takedown department as well odds of dos Anjos out wrestling leon is pretty fucking low but it's definitely fucking possible because dos Anjos is experienced in toughness you know he's always fucking game and um in his last fight with kamaru he got completely neutralized you know <laughs> and wasn't able to do a fucking thing and didn't get any takedowns himself. But, you know what I mean? Kamaru is at a very high level with his takedowns and ground control. And, you know what I mean? Just controlled Dos Anjos on the ground. And didn't even, you know, he, like I said, suffocated him. Didn't even let him breathe. Um, but when Dos Anjos fought Colby, he was actually able to take Colby down three times. So, you know what I mean? It's very possible for Dos Anjos to get a takedown. And um, a couple in this fight, you know? And do his thing on the ground. When Leon fought Cerrone... He wasn't even able to take Cerrone down once, and Cerrone was able to, uh, you know, be the only one to get a takedown that fight. And I 100%, I, I 100% believe Dos Anjos can take advantage, um, you know, if the opening is there. I, I think he could out, you know, chances are low, but I think he could out-wrestle him. Um, number three key for Dos Anjos, if the takedowns are not there, and, you know, Dos Santos, ah, Dos Santos, <laughs> I knew that was going to happen once, god damn it. Dos Anjos has to keep this... Um, Alright, let me start over because I lost I lost it real quick. <laughs> if the takedowns are not there and Dos Anjos has to keep the fight on the feet, that's fine. Chop Leon up in different varieties, uh, varieties of strikes and get him guessing. Beat those fucking legs up and once he gets it in his head and is being cautious and always looking for those leg kicks to come next, throw the motherfucking kicks high and try to take his fucking head off. Dos, An uh, Dos Anjos is very good with the switch kicks, especially when he's throwing upstairs. I think that would be great after he, you know, I mean, after he's already utilizing the leg kicks and making uh, Leon, you know, overthink about it. Throw uh, kicks up top. Um, yeah, even even mixing the body kicks, of course, you know, with the uh, with the leg kicks. And when he thinks you're gonna throw another body kick or leg kick, then definitely go up top with the fucking savage head kick. But Keep the fight at your distance and pace. And again, if Dos Anjos fights this fight going backwards, especially right in the, from the beginning of the fucking fight, chances are he already lost that fucking fight. And we'll just get our pressured majority of the fucking fight. From the first round on, be first, be in control, and dictate everything. And, you know, dictate everything. And every any direction this fight goes, you have to be the one controlling it completely have control of the whole fucking fight and even try to beat Leon at his own game of the pressuring fight uh, of pressure fighting and get that takedown pressure him up against the fence you know what I mean do what he's coming in and planning to do to you catch him off guard with that you know what I mean that's what I think would be 
perfect. I think you would completely catch him off guard with that. Um, but my final pick for this fight, I'm going with Dos Anjos by a head and arm triangle submission or a decision. This is honestly a very bad matchup for Dos Anjos, I believe. But um, his last three fights have been against like the, the pretty much some of the best wrestlers in the fucking organization. You know, and I believe his defense will be very high for this fight. His uh, takedown defense. Going against three elite wrestlers in a row means three excruciating training camps that had a lot to do with working on takedown defense. This being the fourth fight in a row going against going against a great wrestler makes it four training camps with this kind of training. You know what I mean? So he's been training a lot of takedown defense. And Dos Anjos looked great in his last fight against Kevin Lee, who has, you know, like I just said, is a great wrestler. I see this fight playing out kind of like that. But I think Dos Anjos might even look better this fight. But who knows? Um, I'd like to see it, though. This is a very bad matchup for him, though. Like I said, he doesn't. He usually doesn't do good against very good wrestlers and pressure forward fighters. And that's what Leon is. He is a grinder. But I said the same thing when he fought Kevin Lee. When Dos Anjos fought Kevin Lee, I thought that was a bad matchup, too. But once that fight went past the third round and Kevin slowed down, I knew it was all Dos Anjos from there. But, um... Leon has better cardio than Lee, but I see Dos Anjos using the experience factor and um, just coming in with a great game plan to uh, neutralize Leon's wrestling and just beat him at his own fucking game. But um, yeah, all right. That was episode 13. That was my preview and breakdown for UFC on ESPN4. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Leon Edwards. That fight is taking place on... Saturday, July 20th. <laughs> Sorry about that. Almost forgot the date. Today is a Friday, uh, July 19th, and this fight takes place tomorrow. It's it, you know, it's a decent card, you know, not a lot of big name fights, but there are very good fights on the card. And tomorrow is also the Pacquiao versus Thurman fight. Uh, I really wanted to fucking break that down, man, but it was so, I had no goddamn time to be able to break down and preview this event and that fight, but me and, um, my brother from another, Egoto, he's gonna be here tomorrow, um, and we're gonna be watching the fight, and we're probably gonna do a live cast, if not a live cast, we're gonna be recording our live reactions, and then, you know, I mean, I'll post it up later, but regardless, we'll definitely be watching the fight and recording our reaction one way or another, but, um, yeah. All right, guys. This was episode 13. This is Nabi Podcast. I am your host, Sani Nabi. A uh, lot of lot of fights tomorrow. And, you know what I mean? Pacquiao and Thurman. And this. So, it's going to be a fun Saturday night. I can't fucking wait. I hope you guys are able to watch the fights and enjoy yourself. All right. This was episode 13. I will see you guys at episode 14, which will be the, um... The reaction to Pacquiao and Thurman. And then after that, I will be doing a review for this event. But, uh, alright, let me get the fuck out of here. I will see you guys next time. This is Nabi Podcast. I am your host, Sani Nabi, signing the fuck out.